This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. The following program includes themes of sexual abuse. Listener discretion is advised. What is the world like today for the people who are frequently shocked, challenged and been at the forefront of changes that many see as outrageous? Are the rainbow people still changing their world for the better? I'm Malcolm Angus. Welcome to Outrageous, the program that investigates, supports and advocates for the rainbow people of New Zealand. Good day, listeners. This is Malcolm Angus once again with the Outrageous Show on OAR 105.4 FM. I have uh, a gentleman with me today as a guest, and this man is making a difference in Dunedin for many people. He made a difference for me. I met him um, by going through a crisis myself, which I had talked about in an earlier program. I'd like to introduce you to Michael Chamberlain, and Michael is the manager of Male Survivors of Abuse in South Dunedin. Welcome, Michael. Welcome, Malcolm. Michael, I've asked you to come to the show because of the important work you're doing. I've experienced it personally, and um, to get the idea across of what you're doing... I think we need to have a little bit of a historical basis for you being in New Zealand. Um, I know very little of your personal history, so I'm going to start with, are you a born and bred New Zealander? Uh, I most certainly am. I'm born and bred in Mosgiel, so I'm a Dunedin knight, and, and whilst I've been... I was born here, I did the migra- migration north to Wellington, then Auckland, so a big part of my working career has been in Auckland, and I've done the full circle, I'm back in Dunedin again. And the manager of Male Survivors. Now, Male Survivors um, is an organisation you've been connected with for some time. Would you like to talk about why you're here, um, what has brought you to this position uh, and the battles you have with your organisation with um, trying to get help for male survivors and this is male survivors of abuse of all kinds is that right? Yes that's correct. So what got you into it Michael? Well What got what led me into this? What led me into this sort of work was the fact that I'm a victim of abuse myself, and I have had to go through my own journey, um, which is fairly extensive. And I wanted to make a difference. I wanted to use all my experiences of the good and the bad of the system failures etc that uh, that I've been through and uh, help in every way I can so it's everything and anything around the subject of abuse so it's the processes uh, all the various processes whether that be court processes 
government department processes um, or social processes that people find themselves having to work through. Michael, this abuse that you're talking about and you've experienced yourself, am I right in saying that uh, for most of your clients the abuse has happened when they were children? Yes, when it comes to males abuse, we cover all the abuses, physical, mental, psychological and sexual and we now do all the abuses um, because there's not many places for men to go. So whilst Male Survivors started as an organisation supporting victims of sexual abuse, we now deal with a wide range of men uh, covering all the abuses. How long have you been associated with the organisation, Michael? I've been associated with it for uh, uh, since 2008. And you began, um, you began the organisation yourself or was it already existing in New Zealand? In New Zealand it started off as an organisation in Christchurch in, in 2000 and 2008 is when it, uh, <coughs> when it established here in Dunedin, which I was part of the initial uh, group. Uh, Dunedin has had a very checkered history. It's tried to uh, establish itself here for the community four times. So the latest um, solid passage of operations has been over the last six years. And um, and I think I'm right, and you'll probably want to underline it, you are not a faith-based group, are you? You haven't Uh, been created out of a faith-based organisation, or have you been? Not at all. No. Not at all. I I thought that would be the case, given that uh, much of the abuse can be traced back to faith-based organisations. That could only be emphasised when it comes to talking about Dunedin. Mm-hmm. because Dunedin has been disproportionate in uh, abuse around faith-based scenarios. In the conversations I've had with you, um, in which you were introducing yourself to me and you were beginning to provide help to me, uh, part of that was your understanding how damaging abuse can be for a lifetime. Of men, could you like? Would you like to talk about that, please? Uh, yes. Um, there, I suppose that the first thing I must put out there is that there are huge, huge differences between how uh, abuse affects a male as opposed to how it affects a female. Um, there's many, many differences. Um, firstly. The majority of males are abused over a lengthy period, whereas this may happen to a woman, but the biggest area of sexual abuse for a female comes under the mantra of rape. Um, now, the other huge difference, which is, a re- is reasonably understood, is that men 
do not talk about their abuse. Uh, the the average um, statistic from various studies states that it takes at least 23 years for a male to talk about it. I'm keeping my own statistics for the Dunedin area or Otago and I'm already at a figure of 37 years. So that is the common denominator age. That means 37, if it happened to them when they were 10, that makes them 47 uh, before they come forward. So for someone to come forward that's 65 or 68 or ages like this is absolutely um, common for us here at Male Survivors Otago. And I believe common around the world. Yeah, very much so. The statistics around what we do, um, dealing only with with males and abuse, uh, are international statistics. And so the the these statistics that that um, that can be put to New Zealand is the same internationally, and that is one in six men are abused. Do one in six? <laughs> No, let me rephrase that. Do 100% of those one in six men actually come forward and talk about it or what percentage of that one in six men would would be seeking help or be prepared to tell other people? Uh, there's no study to put that statistic together, but my, uh, my own gut feeling would be uh, something in the order of... 60%. And that would be that group that finds that trying to cope with life has just become too hard. Is that the breaking point when they come forward or are there other reasons that prompt them to come forward? Well, there's huge psychological um, reasoning around how a male operates and the fact that they don't talk about it at all. They do not tell their closest, closest and best friend. They certainly don't tell their parents. And we know uh, very well that many uh, young girls do actually uh, talk to their mother, but in the cases of very back historical cases when talking about anything was taboo, with females they certainly... Uh, in a big majority of the time talk to their very best friend or their lifelong friend uh, whereas males do not talk about it at all and I'm only I'm still going through a learning curve as to why and when males talk about it um, the only reason reasoning I can put to it is that when men get older it's not until they get into their 50s and 60s that they start reflecting on life. Um, there's many, many things that contribute to the fact that sexual abuse is kept in the, in the back of their minds, in their subconscious. Uh, from my own experience and from reading and talking to you and meeting a few survivors. I haven't met many because um, it's not, as you've already articulated, it is not something that um, one talks about 
openly and therefore you're not going to say, oh yeah, that's happened to me too because you're just not having these conversations. I think one of the major issues for survivors is the coping behaviours that they have started to use or, or have used in their lives to manage the psychological damage that has occurred to them and you are finding that you're not just coping or trying to help people work through the abuse you're also dealing with the various coping behaviors that they have used is that right uh, yeah very much so i mean I, the majority of the men i deal with we work through uh, what is happening for them and why etc etc and the the various coping mechanisms um some of the very more common ones uh, are that we can look back on and they agree that that has definitely been behind why they've done certain things acted certain ways etc but they never knew at the time so uh, it is very common for a male to keep themselves as busy as and as busy as they can, working long hours at work, um, getting jobs, truck driving, doing horrendous hours, um, keeping themselves busy outside work on being on various committees and social um, social positions around the community and on school boards and fundraising and etc etc, and it's it it doesn't become obvious to them that that uh, one of the reasons they may have been taking on so much and overloading themselves was to stop themselves reflecting on any of their past. And, of course, another, the other two obvious signs of coping is um, uh, high consumptions of alcohol and also the tendency uh, to, to use of drugs. Um, yeah, to name you know, to name a few. Yeah, and so it's a it's the complexity of the injury, the complexity of what you've got to unravel and unwind, is going to be hugely time-consuming. You don't offer a service which says, "Yeah, we'll fix you," do you? That's not what you're about. It's about longevity and healing over a long period of time. Am I right with that? Yes. It's one of the biggest obstacles to overcome is to be comfortable in your own skin around around any thinking around the subject of what happened and being able to take on board and accept that it is part of your history. And it's part of your history that you can't change and you cannot change what you have lost because of that abuse. Yes, that's exactly right. So there's, I sen- I, for me, there's a sense of grieving and there's a sense of the unknown person that I might have been. Is that common? Because that's how I feel. I don't know who I might have been if I had not been sexually abused for so many years. Yes, I, I tend to agree with that. And that means that perhaps we, people who have been abused feel unfulfilled in some way and feel that 
um, they could have done even more in their lives had this abuse not occurred. Oh, correct. I mean, one of the um, startling things for a male that they don't realise during their life is how it plays out in relationships. And the, the uh, bad relationship syndrome uh, around this subject tends to be more with males, once again, than females. Yeah. It's, it's, it's right throughout their lives. They can look back, and it's very, very common to have multiple, multiple uh, relationships breaking up. It's not just, oh, my marriage eventually broke up or whatever. It's, it's all sorts of relationships with the, um, yeah, that they have, that they go through. Michael, just talking about relationships, and I want to emphasize for the listeners here, I came to Michael as a gay man, and I want to say that I always felt safe with him and the service he provided. The, the, he understands that it doesn't matter what your adult sexual preferences are, the damage done is the same for all men. Would you agree with that? That you get homosexuals, you get bisexuals, you get heterosexuals, the damage is still the same. Yes, that's right. And your service is open to anyone. Yes. Um, What I'd like to talk about, and we don't have time now because time rushes away in these interviews, Um, in the next session I have with you, Michael, which you've agreed to come back for, is to look at what you actually provide as a service and to get some feel for how you are also managing people in New Zealand currently with the Royal Commission going on. So if you're willing to come back and talk about that, I think that would also be just as interesting as the ground we've covered. So could we look at the doing that in our next conversation? I'd be only too happy to do so. Uh, listeners, my guest today has been Michael Chamberlain, who is the manager of Male Survivors. It's not Male Survivors of Abuse any longer, is it just Male Survivors? Male Survivors Otago. Male, Survi- uh, Male Survivors Otago in South Dunedin. And his service is open to any man who feels that he would like to talk about and get help for any abuse. It doesn't have to be sexual. That was experienced as a child. And that's the service that Michael and his organisation offer. So, listeners, this is Outrageous on OAR 105.4 FM. Malcolm Angus signing off, and thank you. And I'll see you again or talk to you again next week. Otipoti Collective Against Sexual Abuse supports people of any gender who are survivors of sexual violence and their supporters, including friends and whānau, to progress towards healing. You can contact them on 474-1592 or visit their website okasa.org.nz That's O-C-A-S-A dot However, if you or anyone else is in danger, call 111. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.